Welcome to the Contrast Church Podcast. Contrast is located in Grandview, Ohio, with the mission to help people be with Jesus, become like Him, and live out His mission together. For more information on attending our meetings, our missional communities, or giving, visit contrast.church. Here we are. Wow, we made it. It's crazy. My name is Trey, and I get to be the pastor here. And uh, man, what a great, awesome day already. Uh, I want to just spend some time and uh, just talk a little about contrast, a little bit about uh, what Jesus is saying in the book of Matthew. We've been going through that for several, several weeks. <laughs> if you've been a part of us, you know it. We've got a long ways to go, but we've been going through every verse. Um, but whenever Sarah and I first thought about planning a church, and uh, it was kind of a wild story, but the long story short, we packed up our entire life into a 6x12 cargo trailer towed by my Nissan Titan, and uh, I was about... <laughs> about this far from scraping the ground the entire time across the U.S. from Arizona. And I think that was when I knew we were going to plant a church because the Lord did not blow out a tire or we lose any of our stuff. But uh, we come to Columbus and we, we just started, uh, we met Mark and Jill and we found out these guys seem pretty legit as far as we know. And uh, <laughs> you're laughing, you know. And uh, we started driving around Columbus and just felt this burden. And uh, to be here today is really special. And, uh, and so I'm just really, really thankful. Um, but as we get into it, I want to start off with kind of a peculiar question, but uh, raise your hand if you've ever been to L.A. You ever been to Los Angeles, L.A.? All right, so a good crew of you understand this. So I remember a couple years ago, my sister was travel nursing in L.A., uh, doing a stint there, and I thought, you know what, I really want to go out and see L.A., right? I want to see some famous people. I want to go work out at that gym at the beach, right? I, I, I thought, I'm, I'm probably full enough for this. And then, and then I thought, I'd love to pay money for things that cost way more there than they do here. I thought, that'd be a great experience. And so... I, uh, I remember flying in, and I, I, you know, it's kind of that flat valley with all the, uh, the skyscrapers, the downtown, and then there's kind of that mountains, and you fly in, and, and I remember like looking at, through, over, out the plane window, and I was like, wow, this is just so beautiful. Like There's like a beautiful, just God-made fog over the city, right? I was like, this, you're laughing, you know, you know where this is going. Show the photo, and so then I realized, oh, that's not fog. That's a thing called smog, which is close, but not God-made, man-made, and terrible for you. And... And the thing that's crazy about it is you see it and you're like, wow, that's wild. I'm about to like live in that. I'm about to breathe all that. And, but once you get into it, you don't notice, right? It's just like this is life, right? And you start to become acclimated to it. And so what I want to talk about today, I want to use this illustration throughout the whole teaching, is that uh, I think we're in a smog. And a lot of us have been in it for so long and everyone else is in it that we don't even really realize it. We don't realize the implications that it's doing on our life. And Jesus is very aware of that. Jesus is, we see times in Matthew where he is just the most delicate, compassionate human being we've ever met and seen. Uh, but then there's other times where he needs to be honest with us, and thank God that he's honest with us because we need that sometimes. And it's funny, when I was preparing for this Sunday, I knew this is going to be a great Sunday. There's going to be people from all around coming and visiting, a lot of people for the first time. And I was, I was feeling like, man, I don't know what we should talk about. And I just felt really convicted to just continue with what we're going through, Matthew. You get a real glimpse of who we are and what we're about. And uh, so this passage I'm really excited about. And so we're going to be in Matthew 10. If you have your Bibles, your hard copy, great bonus points from me. If you got your phone, that'll do too. Uh, we also have some in the back. If you want to grab one, we do promote thievery here. You can steal a Bible. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10, and I just want to give you just a quick cliff notes of what we've been working through, because it's kind of like when you open a book in the middle, if you, if you haven't read any of it, you're just going to have a little bit of confusion of what's going on. And so we've been going through the book of Matthew. Matthew, written by one of the disciples of Jesus, tax collector. This guy knows uh, the Jewish culture really well. He also knows the Roman um, subjugation and, and all the government that they were in charge of. So he's got a really cool perspective. He's writing 
to first century Jewish people who are trying to figure out, is this Jesus guy really who he says he is? Is he real? Is he the Messiah? And they had had a bunch of prior books that they were reading and memorizing, trying to figure out if this guy was Jesus. So Matthew gives us this beautiful, just almost like a 360 vignette of who Jesus is. And what he's doing in Matthew, if you see we have seven boxes. Can we go back to the Matthew slide? Uh, There's seven boxes. There's kind of seven parts to Matthew. We're in the third part. And the five in the middle are like these main teaching blocks. He did that because it kind of replicated the five main books they had to know in Jewish school. And each of them is centered around this teaching that Jesus gives. And we're in this one where where Jesus is basically taking what, what he calls the kingdom. If you've heard that phrase, the kingdom of God, Matthew loves it. And the kingdom is this... This beautiful place where God reigns, where his will and his power is done, and we see what God intends for us in eternity. But then you have our kingdoms, and unfortunately, they do not coincide. They are, they are often at odds, and they conflict. And we know this. If, um, if you go back to the toddler room right now, and you take a toy from one of those kids, <laughs> you'll see what happens. They're not wanting to share, right? They want it. It's mine. And so we have this brokenness, this selfishness, and I don't need to go on about it, but we have our kingdom, we think it's better, and we build our own kingdom, and they're at odds. But what we see is Jesus is, is, is showing us tangibly this kingdom, and that's why when you read chapters before this, you see these radical things happen, right? Like he heals people of, of blindness, of being mute, he casts out demons, he even just, he stops the storm with a word, right? Like he just clearly has authority, but he's doing that because he's showing you the reality of his kingdom is not just physical, but it's spiritual, that if he just was to say, I'll, I'll save your sins, that's great. But if he can just heal you right in that spot, we can see the authority and the power that transcends not just the physical but also the spiritual realm that we're in. And so Jesus has been doing that. And what is so crazy and what we're at in the crux of this story in this, this part of Matthew is that he is not intending to just continue to do that by himself. But he's crazy enough, I think, to let us be a part of it, which is wild. I don't know about you, but wow, what a, what a mission, right? And, and you read the 12 guys that follow him, and these guys are just ordinary men, right? Like, not, not, not your hard hitters, not your Jerry's of the world that go Bearcats, right? Like, <laughs> those guys probably barely even went to Jewish school when they could. And, and Jesus gathers them all up, and then they fight, and they argue, and then he's like, you guys are going are gonna, to are gonna build my church. And we have that same call today. It doesn't, doesn't just end, right? And, and so what's so cool is that Jesus is, is, I think, so cool in including us in this, but there is this... This tension that we feel where life is hard. Following Jesus is really hard. If you're new and you've been following Jesus your whole life, you know that if you're new and you've never followed Jesus ever, you're, maybe you've just never been to church, or maybe you're just like, eh, I don't know about it. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard. But Jesus is, is not leaving us alone. And I, I actually believe that in the midst of adversity and persecution that, that you were made for a time like this. And I'm not just saying that because it's a launch Sunday on a church in an area that we want to love, but I really believe it, and I think that's what Jesus is getting to here. So... Uh, chapter 10, verse 26. We're just going to journey through this together. It says in verse 26, Do not be afraid of them, for nothing is hidden that will not be revealed. Nothing is secret that will not be made known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops. Now, Jesus is talking about, when he's talking about don't be afraid, last week we talked about when you sign up to follow Jesus, you are signing up for persecution. Now, the definition of persecution might look different for a lot of us. For the first few hundred years of the church, it was death by Roman government and torture. And now it's still death in a lot of countries. In fact, China is experiencing the, you know, it's illegal to even have a Bible, and they're experiencing radical persecution. But for us, 
and it sounds crazy, but us, it's, there's a lot of social persecution, right? Like we are more terrified of, of being called stupid or not having friends than we are about um, some of the other things that, that could happen. And so the social ostracization of us is just this reality that we deal with. I can't tell you how many people come up to me and we talk about what it means to, to share what you believe with people and they're just so terrified. Like, well, what if they, what if they mad at me? What if they don't like what I have to say? Or what if I don't have the right words? Or what if it fractures our relationship? And these words that Jesus is giving us is like, look, I know that's going to happen. I'm not going to act like it's not, but I'm going to give you hope in the midst of that. Jesus is, um, in one of his teachings earlier in Matthew 5, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world, a city located on a hill that cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people. We have often a time out of fear that we are not able to truly be this light that we want to be. And that's kind of the idea I'm I'm sneaking in the name of contrast, as Joel mentioned, is is I had these couple dreams where I was trying to figure out, like, what are are we going to call this community of people? And uh, the Lord had just been really pounding me on a bunch of different scriptures about light. And I had this dream where there was just people walking down this alley, and, and it was almost like this just straight contrast of light on their face. And it was almost as if... People were experiencing light, and from that, it radiates. It's, it's almost in, contagious in a good way, and it infects the people around them. And, and I just thought, man, what if we just could just use the phrase, let's just be the light to people. Let's, let's show Jesus in a way that people can't deny the light and, and how the darkness trembles. And, and so that's how it came to be. And, and I remember in the midst of that, that when Sarah and I were driving through Columbus, figuring out where are we going to plant this church, we drove through Grandview, and we thought, oh, this is pretty cool. It's like weird, cool restaurants, kind of eclectic, a little run down, but a little hip, you know? It's like right in our alley, right? It's not like too nice. <laughs> but uh, I remember, like, we're like, man, we feel really good about this. We just kind of prayed about it, felt like God's calling us here. And then we looked up the city data. And the city data was just basically, I'm being honest, it's like, yeah, it's one of the most unchurched areas in all of the greater Columbus area. And there's several reasons for that. But I remember thinking about that and thinking about, man, like, I, I'm a, I'm a white male, middle class. Like, I have not experienced a lot of minority persecution or anything like that. But going into this space, we knew this is going to be hard. Like, there's going to be people who legit just hate us for showing up. There's going to be people who will who'll do that. And I remember when we first moved in the neighborhood, we live a minute up the road. Uh, I was so excited for Easter. I put out these things called a Stations of the Cross. It's like a, a really cool interactive experience of the death of Jesus. I put them out in our park. I was like, this is going to be awesome. People want to see them great. They don't. They can walk by, right? I put them up Thursday night, Friday morning at 8 a.m., they're gone. And I was like, all right, Lord, this is it now. But, but I was like, I mean, I was legit like, yeah, we're not, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like, this is, this is real. But here's the thing. What do you think I felt in that moment? You feel, wow, this is real. But what it does is it, you cling to Jesus. Because you realize, and this is what I loved about planting here. I knew if we, if we are successful by the right metrics of what God calls us to, we know that we can't take credit for it. Because what we did was not of our own volition, but it was what God was doing through people. And I, that's what I love about this, and that's what I love about this, this space, is that um, God has already given us the opportunity to be a light. And we don't get to take any credit for it, because this is a hard area. So I just want to encourage you, as, as you're thinking about, you know, where are you at in your life? Like, there is tough soil in your life. There's areas that you are hesitant to, to truly bring the light into. And if you're someone who's like, you know, maybe you don't follow Jesus, and you're like, this doesn't really, like, apply to me. I would actually encourage you that this is, I think, encouraging from your perspective because I would say I want to see Christians who live with conviction because if they really believe this thing, like, it should change their life. If they're like everyone else, it clearly doesn't have a lot of change in their life. So this idea that we're willing to be bold for what we believe is, I think, a, a crucial piece for anyone. 
But as, uh, as we continue here, in verse 28, Jesus says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I read that, and, and, and Jesus is, it's, it, we're in this smog where we don't realize the reality of the, the world that we're living in, right? Like there is, um, in the words of Jerry, there's these vices, right, that consume us, that we build our own kingdom, and we try to think, this kingdom's pretty great. Like I can withstand any attack in my life because I have financial security. I'm good looking. I have a great career. I have a happy family, whatever. You name it, right? I have all these things. I'm well educated. And we build these kingdoms. It's only a matter of time. It's a mirage until it, it crumbles. Or some of us are trying to live in both, right? Like we're dipping our hands on the weekends in, in this kingdom and then we show up on Sunday morning a little hungover and then we try to get our life back together and then before we know it, we just do it all over again, right? And it's this like cycle of just shame and conviction and guilt because you're just, you got a foot in both. And Jesus is saying, look, like at the end of the day, the things that we're typically worrying about, the worries of the world as he calls them, are just, they're just fleshly. We spent two, in a, two, two and a half weeks just here every day building this place, not brick by brick. The brick wall was here before we got here, but, but just putting stuff on, lights, all that, right? It's really cool, but it's all flammable. In fact, those sound panels are really flammable. <laughs> and tomorrow it could burn down. And so you're like, geez, that's a little more, but can you wait on that? And I'm like, it's just stuff. It really is. People is what is eternity, right? And, and I mean, come on, this, this, is, this is right here, this moment where are we living more for our body than for our souls? Because our bodies will have an end, our souls will not. That's what matters for eternity. And so for you and what Jerry found out, praise God, a few years ago, is that the body is just the body, and it has an end. And, and Jesus actually wants it this way. He wants us to realize the ramification of this. He's being honest with us because we need to hear it. But, but to be honest, some of you are like, yeah, I know, but it, that's hard. Like, it's, I get it. It's hard, right? It's hard to really follow Jesus. It's hard to believe in it. Maybe you have some serious doubts, right? You have some serious questions that you haven't. The book hasn't helped you out enough. Or the friend that gave you the answer, or maybe no answer, you're frustrated and you're stuck, right? Like, there is reality in that. In fact, maybe, um, maybe you just have a hard time because you see the political divisiveness over the last year and a half with a certain pandemic I won't name. Or, or you, you know, even at Thanksgiving, you're like, boy, this was not an encouraging meal for me. You know, or, or, or you see neighbors who are deeply hurting and, and you see people just lack compassion, right? They grow in anger instead of compassion. I want to tell you something. This is just an honest, not my notes, but beside us here is DoorDash, Mart, and they have people just drive on the street all the time because they're just picking up orders and running. And I've gotten a little old manish, like, get off my lawn. Like, I've gotten mad because they just sit all the time in our, our step. And I remember just being so mad one day. There was like five different people who came like, is this DoorDash? And I'm like, no, it's not. And I'm usually a lot meaner than I just said it. But, uh, but I remember someone just sitting there, and I was about to leave. It was like 10.30 at night, and I'm like, what is this guy doing sitting here? And I, I, I go outside, and I'm almost like ready to be like, hey, man, like, there's like five other places you can sit where you're working. And I just start talking to him. And he's like, man, like, we just, my, my girlfriend and I, we've just really been looking for a church. And it's in those moments where I'm like, this is the, the rub of life where we are so consumed in our body and I'm worried about them breaking in or, or breaking something or whatever, right? Like dumping trash, which happens on our, whatever. who cares, right? It's all body, it's not soul. We're here for soul. And, and, I, and you're here for soul. And so I, I, we, gotta reveal, we gotta realize we're in a smog here. Let's just acknowledge it. It will slowly kill us. And so we have to do something about it. And Jesus is not, he's not worried about the body. He's worried about the soul. And the soul has eternal implications but he says look look this is a big deal and you can be like oh that is a big deal eternity wow that's forever but then he says in verse 29 
aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? I don't know about today's inflation, if that is accurate, but aren't two sparrows sold for a very little amount of money? Yet no one, will, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father's will. Even all the hairs on your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. You're more valuable than many sparrows. Look, Jesus is like, you know, if you ever play a sport, you know, you're down in the first half, you go into the locker room, and the coach has got to, like, conjure up some Ted Lasso talk here, like, let's get this going, right? We're down. Like, Anderson, you got to start blocking. Like, come on, right? And, and, and you, you feel this excitement. Like, Jesus is saying, like, look, like, we're going to go into halftime. I know the end result. Like, we're winning. So let's go out there and let's act like we're going to win. Let's not be, oh, I don't know how this is going to play out. Like, Jesus is claiming territory all around this area because people are being faithful to what he calls us to. And, and what's so cool about it, and we read this several weeks ago, is Jesus starts doing all this kingdom reality stuff, right? He starts revealing this kingdom to people, and they're like, wow, what is this? And then he leaves this bubble of the Jewish culture, which is kind of like the Christian bubble at the time, right? The, the overly, you know, um, Christian bubble. And he, and he, he um, takes a boat, I almost said, like, drove a boat, but he drove a boat across the lake, goes into Gentile Las Vegas heathen country, and in the middle of that, Satan tries to throw stuff at him, right? Tries to, pers- tries, tries to stop him, throws this huge storm. All the disciples think they're, they're going to die, and Jesus is sleeping. And he just gets up and, with a word, stills the sea. And the devil has no chance. And then, and then they get to the shore. What happens? These two guys come out from the cemetery, which I don't know if you have any friends who live in a cemetery, but that's not okay. <laughs> and, then, and then in the other gospel, you hear, oh, these guys can't even be bound by chains, right? And I'm like, chains are pretty strong, Right? And they, they come up to him, and, 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 and they're just possessed by thousands of demons, and they shudder at the name of Jesus. And, and they beg him to not do what he wants to do with them. And this is the Jesus we follow. And, and so we, we live here in this area that I know is hard, that I, there's persecution, whether it is legitimate, whether it is social, right? We're all insecure. We've, we're afraid of people and what they think of us. Jesus is not shuddering, and he is not afraid. And when we leave this place... Can we just live in that belief? Now, many of us have a hard time believing that, and this is where I'll get to the end here, is, is because it's all deeply rooted in our, our trust and our union with Jesus in this. Like, if, if, we, if we just try to do these nice things, like, you know, I should be doing that, I should be sharing faith with my neighbor, I should be sending them cookies, like, I'm not being, like, you feel guilty, right? You're not doing all these things. Well, it's not just this, you're not just this robot that just does stuff all the time. Like, there's a heart piece that we have to address first, and this is what Jesus has done chapters before, but we're only here for a week, so I'm, I'm bringing it back, but is that the things that you do are not ultimately what makes your relationship, as Jerry said, with Jesus. The union with Jesus has to start first and foremost. Our mission statement, the first piece, is we want to help people be with Jesus. And then from that, out of that, you can help people become like him. You can live out his mission and you can do it together. And in that, if we're not doing that, we will not feel the same weight of the eternal consequence or the eternal hope that we have. And so for you, I just the question I kind of want you to ponder with in the smog, right, is like, is there, is there a feeling of apathy in my life, of, of over, just I'm overly comfortable? Is there addiction? Like, I think about the amount of addictions. You can pig the big, pick the big ones, alcohol, drugs, all that, but like, do you have a TV addiction? Do you have a food addiction? Do you have a social addiction, right? Like, I need a certain amount of likes. I need a certain amount of views. Like, are there these things that we're not addressing? And so we have this kingdom we're living in, but then we're trying to preach this kingdom over here, but everything that we do looks like our kingdom. And then we get exhausted or we get frustrated because we're like, man, I have no soul. And I'm like, no wonder, because you're still over here. And so I, want, I just want to ask you today, like, are you truly living in Jesus' kingdom? Because what, what we tell 
you to do as followers of Jesus to go out to share this as the disciples do, you have to be willing to trust in Jesus. The, the week before this, before Jesus gives this kind of, uh, hey, you're, it's going to be tough, he tells them what they're going to do. He says, I'm going to give you my authority through the Holy Spirit, which we still have today. Yeah, I'm going to give you this, and you're going to go make the kingdom a reality in people's lives. And what does he do then? He, he says, also, uh, yeah, bring nothing with you. Like, no savings account, no Chase credit card, like, no extra pair of Jordans. Like, you got one pair of shoes. Like, probably all birds. They're all terrain, right? But you can, you can watch them. <laughs> like, did he really just bring out all birds? Uh, but you got nothing else. One outfit, right? Why does he do that? He's not doing it because he's crazy. He's doing it because when you have nothing else, you have no other choice but to depend on what Jesus will do for you. I don't know about you. I don't necessarily worry about those things day to day. I'm not worried about probably my meal tomorrow or my shoes or whatever, right? I got a bunch of shoes at home. That our lives are, are so inundated in the smog in our kingdom that we don't even have the ability to want to trust in what Jesus is going to do in our life because we've built such a comfortable life. And so Jesus here is warning us in a good way because he's saying, look, when you truly, when you understand what I've done for you, understand my sacrifice, the weight of what I did, which I lived a, a sinless life, I died a sinner's death, I died your death that you deserved on a cross, so that out of that you can go live like me in the same way. And so we try to serve, but if we don't have this heart of Christ, we are missing it. And so as I invite the band up to close, I just want to close this with this. This is what we do almost every Sunday. We, we offer what we call bread and cup. It's a piece of com- the communion experience, the last day Jesus is on earth. And um, the last two verses of this passage says, Whenever, Whoever then acknowledges me before people, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before people, I will deny him also before my Father in heaven. Bread and cup, which is uh, this, this little thing, there's some in the back if you need one, um, is a reminder of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. It is his body, his blood that was shed for us. And the coolest thing about this entire gathering, like, uh, if you love the music, great. You guys, you, you guys are awesome. Uh, if you love the videos, cool. If you love the smells, the walls, whatever, great. But this right here is what places us all at the same place. We're all broken sinners in need of Jesus' sacrifice. And if you believe in that and you follow Jesus, this is an opportunity for you to take that. And I would encourage you, if you don't, or this is something new, or you have any questions, we have people in the back who would love to talk to you, love to pray for you, because we acknowledge Jesus first and what he's done for us, and out of that, we acknowledge him in front of other people, that we can face God, and we can, we can face others in the midst of difficulty, because we, we know the score. We know who, who wins. The demons shudder at the name of Jesus. And so uh, we're going to play a song. We're going to give you an opportunity to partake in this, or you can also receive prayer, and then Uh, Whenever you feel called, you can stand and continue singing. Thank you for listening to the Contrast Church Podcast. To learn more about us and how you can be a part of it, visit contrast.church.